0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, Member FDIC. Turn up your volume your
1: because you're about to listen to
0: the Sick Podcast. The, Sick Podcast.
1: the Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy.
0: The Stanley Cup-winning
1: Colorado Avalanche, and after 22 years. Raven!
0: the sickest nhl podcast it's gonna be sick and welcome to another edition of the eye test here on the sick podcast network pierre mcguire jimmy murphy here and uh pierre we are we're at the midway point of january already my friend and we're well into the second half now of the season is it's flying it's flying
1: well, it is because the hockey's good the guests have been surreal
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're Attitude is infectious because you have so much passion. Appreciate um, that. You're you're the storyteller of the Boston Bruins and all things Boston hockey. But what I really liked about the show so far, and I have to tell you, is what really created a lot of energy: um, the guests we've had. And yes. So grateful for our guests. You know, whether it's Scotty Bowman or Greg Brown or Jay Pandolf or Greg Carvel. Uh, Fred Harbinson, you know, we've got a potpourri of people, whether they're NHL people, whether they're college people, whether they're junior people, uh, whether they're former media people or current media people like we're going to have on on Thursday with Kevin Paul DuPont. I think that's a big one of the drivers of the show, Jimmy. I really do.
0: For sure, for sure. And I also want to mention, Pierre, too, what I've really enjoyed is when we open it up to our listeners and our viewers for questions uh, and feedback and we are going to do that today because tomorrow as I mentioned yesterday tomorrow we are going to have former Montreal Canadian and NHLer Terry Ryan join us of course he's a star of he's a hilarious guy to to talk to great storyteller and uh, again that will be more stories that's what we love on this uh, on this well, podcast so I'm looking forward to that
1: me too so I just want you to know Jimmy I went and checked my notes yesterday uh-huh Terry well, that's played right. eight, he played eight NHL games uh-huh. Every one of those games
0: you did. That's, That's awesome. Good. That's great. Well, he told me uh when we were texting back and forth. And one thing I, I love about Terry too, like it's great. I actually should start doing it. He leaves voice texts. He's okay. very he's very into that. He wants he wants to just really talk to you, and he's very sincere in them, and it's great. And so uh, you know, he went on, he's telling me a story, and he says, Oh. I'm really looking forward to talking to Pierre. I've always been a big fan of his Uh, really looking forward to that. So he's psyched to come on. He'll be on tomorrow, but circling back to our listeners and viewers, that's why today. So if you're watching right now and I tweeted it out as well, uh, get your questions ready because Pierre and I are going to talk a little NHL for the next 10 minutes or so, but then we're going to open up the floor to you guys and address your questions uh, since we won't be able to really do that tomorrow. And then like Pierre said, on Thursday, we will have Kevin Paul Dupont join us on Press Box Thursday, and then of course Friday on Campus Friday with UConn coach Mike Cavanaugh, who's a very well-respected man, in the ho- not just in college hockey, in the hockey world Ball in general. Hockey, yeah, yeah. So looking forward to that as well, Pierre.
1: Yeah, no, I can't wait. And again, tribute to you reaching out to get a lot of these guests. I- I'm so pumped to talk to Terry Ryan. What yeah. A so I went and watched this game. <laughs> From the other day, his first uh-huh. game in 20 years. You know what? He did well. He looked, he looked
0: bad, man. He looked, that's I, I hard thought, you know, you know what? I
1: have to tell you, that's hard to do.
0: Yeah, it is. And he that's plays, really hard to do. he still plays ball hockey, you know, very like, no, and exactly. when I say ball hockey, this just ain't the typical men's league. They're hardcore. He's actually represented his country, uh, I think, for the last 10 years in ball hockey, and they compete in international competition. So, I would imagine that's helped him, you know, stay in shape. It's different. Obviously, it's not on ice, but it still obviously helps. So, and just, you know, when I was watching that press conference, and I hope everybody out there got to watch it. We'll we'll play clip snippets of it tomorrow Pierre. But uh, did you ever see the movie with Kevin Costner for Love of the Game? Oh, yeah. I went to that. I don't know why. I went back to that. It was just like, and I know this guy hadn't stopped playing for 20 years. That's even more impressive what Terry just did. But just the passion. And, and he had, you could tell as he's talking, just all the memories flowing through. And it was kind of like when he was trying to pitch that no-hitter in that movie, Kevin Costner. And he, he kept going back to moments with his wife or his kid. And it, it just, it hit home. And I, I really want to talk to him about that. And um, I don't know too, Pierre, I highly suggest it. I've read it. It's an amazing book. Uh, I can actually give you a copy if you need it. Uh, Tales of a First Round Nothing.
1: Uh, no, but I know that's his book. I know yeah, his it, book. it's
0: hilarious, and it's but great. I would say
1: this. I know he's being self-deprecating, but I have to be honest. That man was tough as tough could be. He oh, still yeah. is, obviously. Uh, he, he put up mucho points in the Western Hockey League when that was not for the faint of heart. I mean, that was a tough league when he played. Yeah, that's league. what he said in the book. Um, You know, one of his teammates there was Damon Lanco. And yep. Damon played over a thousand games in the National Hockey League. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like he was playing with guys that couldn't play. No. I mean, Terry had to do some heavy lifting out there. They had another yep. guy, Szyszkowski, I know, played there who played for the Washington Capitals a bunch uh, back in the mid 90s. And so, you know, like Terry was a guy that not only had, was counted on to score, he had to do a lot of the heavy physical lift, and that's, that's a hard job.
0: That, that's a really hard job. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I, I know he's good friends with them. I'm just trying to see the connection. Yeah, so he also played with uh, Aaron Ashel
1: Yeah, back okay. in the day, too. He <laughs> was well, so a pretty himself, tough customer <laughs> himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, some of
0: the most fun I ever had
1: was when Aaron was breaking in in Montreal. I was breaking in on the media side, but I had just gotten out of coaching, and Mark Recky was there and Mark was trying to teach Aaron the ways of the world in Montreal and you know we'd go out and have some dinners and stuff it was it was interesting to hear you know the guy that was older Reckie trying to break in the young guy obviously in in Ashram and you know Aaron understood one thing full throttle he
0: didn't understand the other stuff he understands full throttle. Awesome. I will, Uh, I will, I've got a good, I'll, I'll trigger him to talk about the story, but we have a good Aaron Ashton experience from when Aaron, Aaron ended up, Aaron was on, ironically, I think he was hurt during the series period, you would know because he worked it, Uh, when the Flyers and Habs played in 2010, that was the year the Flyers went on to play the Hawks, right? Yep. And he was injured in the series, and we actually all hung out with uh, Mitch Malnick over at uh, Hurley's, so uh, maybe we'll get into that tomorrow. There, there were
1: places to hang out.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, Pierre, let's get into some uh, current NHL topics. And, you know, one thing you and I were kind of looking at and um, kind of examining today, earlier today, was uh, the goal differential of teams in the Atlantic Division. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we said that, we, we were specifically focusing on Toronto, and I know oh, well. we went pretty heavy on the Leafs last week, Pierre, but... It's hard not to see this if you look at it and you really get into the nitty-gritty of it. How much right now, the goal differential, and then also how many times they've gone to extra time. I believe it's up to like 16 now. Um, They are just completely living on the edge, Pierre. And, you know, they're basically one four to five game losing streak away from dropping tremendous, like not just out of the playoffs, but dropping below some of those teams that are hovering around the wild card. Here, I, I would imagine as a coach, you know, if you you're coaching them right now, you got to make them aware of this. I know it's only January. I know you want to stay focused on yourself, but you also have to be, you know, aware of your surroundings. Am I wrong?
1: No, you're not wrong. And you're past the halfway point of the NHL season, so you're spot on, Jimmy. And the good habits should already have been implemented, and the bad habits should be getting worked out. So just to speak to Jimmy's point, and and he probably has some numbers right in front of him. But when we were talking about this today. It's an exercise that some, not all coaches, but some coaches do. Some management people do. You look at the goal differential and you look at where Boston Bruins are right now and you look where the Florida Panthers are right now, two teams that are ahead of Toronto in the standings in the Atlantic division. And basically, they're two times better on the plus side than Toronto is on the goal differential. So what I said to Jimmy, and I wasn't being disrespectful to Toronto, I said, Just let's say we take away five goals from Austin Matthews, and let's say we take five goals away from William Nylander, and let's say we take five goals away from Mitchell Marner, and you take those 15 goals away, okay? (laughs) just And you talked about it. They've played, what, 16, 17, 18 overtime games? 16
0: extra-time games so far. 16 extra-time games. So let's just say
1: we take one goal per game from those extra-time games. They're not in the playoffs.
0: No, nope. and they're negative.
1: They're, ne- they're a negative team on the, yep. on the goal differential. So my point is, tonight they play in Edmonton, Okay, right? mm-hmm. Edmonton's a team that thinks they can outscore their defensive troubles. And I will say that they've gotten better defensively since Paul Coffey and Chris Knobloch have gone in there to coach. They have. You can't argue. The record speaks for itself. But Toronto's a team that thinks they can outscore their defensive foibles as well. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see who blinks here tonight because th- this is a map. I know people don't like to say a measuring stick here. This is a measuring stick there. This is a game that's going to tell Toronto players where they are, and I believe this is a game that's going to tell Edmonton players where they are because they're two very similar teams.
0: They are. I mean, I, I like to call them, you know, the the Oilers East when I talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. And, and speaking of that trip that starts tonight – it's a pretty tough trip here. I mean, they're doing the old Northwest. So they're going Edmonton tonight. They go to Calgary on Thursday. And then they go and then they do a back-to-back over the weekend. They're in Vancouver on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And then they're in Seattle on Sunday. And yes, Seattle's win streak just got snapped, but they were a tired team against Pittsburgh And, yeah, injured, so and
1: injured too. Major. And injured.
0: injured. So they're no slouch. Uh, so that, and while the flames and we'll get to the flames in a bit on a different topic, but while they're not, you know, per se, uh, a major contender, there's, they've been playing much better as of late they're fighting for their lives. So this is, you know, this is a, a, a dictating type road trip for the to- Toronto Maple Leafs here, how they do on this trip could have a huge impact down the line, Pierre.
1: And and you talked about it correctly. So Jimmy, let's just say for the sake of argument, that all those Toronto players we talked about, Marner, Matthews, and nealander keep the goals that they have. Mm-hmm. We don't take any away. They just keep the goals that they have. But one of them gets hurt. Yeah. One of them gets hurt. So yeah. the margins are like this now. The margin goes like this. Exactly. And then you've got no wiggle room. You can't play games and say – oh, we're going to play this goalie because we want him to get his game back on track, or we're going to play that goalie because we want him to get his game back on track. That's not going to work. Not when yep. your margin goes from here to here. It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Pierre. And one of the things that, you know, obviously has ailed the, the Maple Leafs is goaltending. I'm not putting it all on them because the defense hasn't been anything special, but it's been a tough, a tough sledding for them between the pipes. And, and Pierre, you know, we've gotten word. There's been lots of reports. and. We're not gonna speculate too much I'm just gonna put a hypothetical out there um you know we mentioned the flames just now Jacob Markstrom has been a name that continually continues to surface in trade rooms right now mm-hmm. Elliot Friedman who I think is a pretty trustworthy name out there he he said look it, he spoke to Craig Conroy and Conroy said he didn't rule it out so that's that's a right there that he did not flat out say no 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 he's not going anywhere but he said, if he is, it's going to cost a boatload. But my question to you is, let's say he goes on the market, right? And we've got all these teams, whether it's Edmonton, whether it's Toronto, and New Jersey, you have added Carolina. LA,
1: Carolina, Carolina,
0: we'll throw in there. And even the Los Angeles Kings, I'm going to throw in there because I am not sold well, on no camp. Now you you're playing yeah. fire with camp. Thompson. So, so If he's saying it's going to cost a boatload and he comes out and not asking price is huge. My question to you is when you have a situation like that, where a marquee name goes on the market, right? And, and the price is set. So let's say for argument's sake, it's a roster player. It's a high end prospect and a first round pick. Okay. Let's just say for argument's sake, right? How does that have a trickle effect down on the rest of the market And how much does it affect other goalies' values on the market, or are they all unique to each other?
1: I think they're all unique to each other, except for one that would potentially be in this marketplace, and that'd be John Gibson. Okay. So let's just say Gibson goes on the market. I'm not saying he is, but I'm using him as a hypothetical because obviously Anaheim's still in a rebuild, and he's got tremendous pedigree. So let's say he goes on then you have to decide who's your flavor which flavor is better for you Mm -hmm. Um, you know do you like markstrom better than gibson or do you like gibson better than markstrom Um, and then the other part is how badly will they create an auction situation so that's
0: that's what i'm
1: totally one of the things that i think you see because you're in so many press boxes is sometimes pearl scouts are the deliverer of the instant message so that they can pass those messages to the media and or to the other general managers, rather yeah. than having a general manager, the general manager talk. So mm-hmm. you try to create almost an auction if you're selling a player or thinking of selling a player. And I think the one thing that Craig Conroy has that maybe somebody else doesn't have if they do a deal with Toronto, Brad Trey Living is the guy that recruited Mark from yeah. out of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. He's the one that signed him in Calgary. Uh, and he knows the value of that player and other players internally in Calgary. So he would know both sides of the deal, plus their friends. Conroy and Trey Living are friends. Sometimes it's easier for friends to make deals. I'm not saying that's going to be the deal. No, these are ancillary issues you got to think about when you're talking about
0: something like this. Okay. And then my second question to you is: um, So let's say, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you know, Toronto says, "All right, we want to go out and get a guy like him. Maybe it's not Marshall. Maybe it's Gibson. But it's, you know, it's going to cost." someone on the roster As mm-hmm. as you're talking here, I was just thinking about when you, we mentioned it a couple times last week, specifically when we had Rex on uh, Mark Recke, uh, that deal that you guys made when you did trade away Reckie to Philly, how do you measure Pierre as, as a manager? Um, sh- how, how much you can shake up a roster at this time of year without, without, you know, disrupting the locker room, or, or sometimes do GMs want to disrupt the locker room because maybe they think it needs a jump start? So I guess, you know, if there's a parallel to be drawn to what you guys did that year, I'm asking you to draw it right here if you could. What
1: a good question. So, Jimmy, what I would say in that situation, we had players like Mario, uh, Ronnie Francis, Kevin Stevens, Joe Mullen, Alfie Samuelson, Larry Murphy that really understood leadership. So, and Brian Trotsky, I can't forget Brian in this whole thing. So, that wasn't really a worry when Paul Coffey and Mark were traded, even though they were leadership type players. We weren't worried about the leadership component. We were worried about do we get bigger and do we get more ferocious? And the answer is yes and yes. With Talkit and Samuelson, we got bigger and we got more ferocious. We had more than enough of the other stuff. We knew we had enough skill, we knew we had enough goals. So, in that particular instance that's how we measured it okay uh, so every trade's a little bit different but you got to understand that if you're trading away high profile people I'll, I'll use i'll use hartford as an example when they traded away alfie Sanderson and ron francis i was on the pittsburgh side of the deal mm-hmm. but if you go and look from the time they traded ronnie and alfie away right. to the time they became relevant again as a franchise they had moved to carolina Mm-hmm. They, so they lost two major intangible leaders, right, on their team. It just it was it's like a void. It was just. a complete, and, and that's not to knock Johnny Cullen, and that's not to knock Zarely Zalapsky. Um, and the other guy in the trade was a guy named Jeff Parker who played at Michigan State who never really played in the league.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, when you look at it. <laughs> um, you got to that. That was a you know the side for Hartford. It didn't work out the same way just because they.
0: I think they underrated the leadership capabilities of the players they were trading away. And here's our follow-up too. So obviously you got to measure the tempo and and the vibe of how that might be affected. Like you just said, as a manager, do do you have do you need to go to maybe some of the leaders actually directly bypassing your coach? It, it's is that frowned upon if maybe you go to some of the leaders as a manager and say hey if I was to do this how much do you think it disrupts the room or do you have to do you have to put the coach in there so there's no you know bad feelings between the coach and the manager
1: I think it's better to talk to the coaching staff I don't think it's really wise to get players involved in that Mm -hmm. Uh, because sometimes if you do a deal and it doesn't work out the player you can go to the player say you stiff me
0: man and you don't
1: want you don't want to get to that situation i think management there's an old saying owner's own presidents preside managers manage coaches coach trainers train players play
0: okay so keep it that way i think it's probably wise more wise to do it that way. that's what i figured yeah i'm sure though it's happened at times and it hasn't i i I don't, I'm not sure. I guarantee you that it's happened. Yeah. Um, And I'm
1: not sure. And here's another thing. And I learned this from Craig Patrick and Scotty Bowman. A lot of times, coaches are not the best scouts because that's what
0: I was wondering about. Yeah.
1: Thank you. You scout as a coach, you're emotionally involved because the players you're scouting, you're going to have to coach against them or you're going to have to game plan against them. But when you're scouting, it, the best scouts are cold blooded. Yeah, they don't care who wins and loses. Mm-hmm. They're just there to draw a line. Yes, he can play. No, he can't play. Yes, he's fast. No, he's not fast. Yeah, it's black and white. But when you're coaching, it, it can't. Be the emotion nice. gets involved, yeah. and then it's not so black and white anymore. Yeah, you know, there's a whole lot of gray, and that's bad when they're scouting. That's no mm-hmm. so good. So you know, I, I just because re- it, it changed for me, I can tell you. I was a coach in college for a long time. Then I went to scout, and I just went to games, and I didn't care who won or lost. I just wanted to find players because we wanted to get better as a team, both amateur Mm -hmm. and pro, and that's what I did. And then all of a sudden I got thrown into being with the NHL team and doing all the advanced scouting for our playoff runs. And I was like, whoa, you know, then it's different because you're not just scouting players. You're scouting tactics and tendencies Mm and games. So that's different, too. And then all of a sudden, the next year, I'm coaching. And I you hate every team you play against. Yeah. <laughs> and all those players you thought were good players, like, ah, that guy's no good. I hate that guy. <laughs> you know? so you, that's where you kind of learn it. You know, you just got to yeah. yourself from it.
0: Interesting, interesting. Good stuff. You know, and I, I think, too, and we'll we'll, we'll throw it at the, uh, the name of our podcast here, too, Pierre. you have to pass the eye test when you're doing these trades. You need to make sure the players pass it. Because it yeah. can't just be about numbers. Because if everything we just spoke about, with the effect it has in the locker room, in the environment, there's no nothing. There's no numbers that can quantify that. So you need no. you need to do way more than numbers if you're going to make a real blockbuster trade.
1: Look, again, my reference points are Hall of Fame guys that I was fortunate enough to learn from: Craig yep. Patrick, the late Bob Johnson, Scotty Bowman, Brian Burke, who just got in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Brian. Yep. You know, divorce yourself from the emotion of the decisions. And I know people are saying, that's pretty harsh. It's pretty cold. That, that's how it has to be. No, it's business. Look, at, it's good. I once said, and I'm not afraid to admit this, I once said in a meeting, I really love this player. Okay, Nobody said anything. They're all like, yeah, we, good player. So we were walking out after the meeting was over, and Scotty grabbed the back of my coat. So come here, into my office. So I'm like, oh, geez, what <laughs> did I do? So I walked in there. don't you ever, ever say you love a player again. I'm like, well, why? He goes, they're like racehorses and ex-wives. All they're going to do is cost you money. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. So it, it was a really good lesson. It was graphic. It was visual. I could understand it. And like I, what? okay, I get it. I get yeah. it. It was the cold-blooded nature of trying to understand how to run a hockey team.
0: Yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. All right. And then there was one other topic we wanted to bring up here. Uh, we're like list here. Um, we want to actually. Rose. Yes, that's it. just going to say. We want to get to the team I'm covering. And, you know, I wrote a piece uh, yesterday morning um, just saying, look, I get it. it it's, it's very slim chance that he gets back-to-back Jack Adams awards. But he needs to be in the conversation right now. And that's Jim Montgomery of the Boston Bruins. Because, Pierre, when I look at this season and last season, last season, as I wrote in a story, he had a team that could coach itself. I mean, he had he had such a strong leadership core, obviously led by Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. But he had a team that could coach itself. And he was just sort of there to guide. And they they were the engine. And, you know, now... To me, it seems like every day he's dealing with an injury. He's dealing with a personnel change. It's just, it's been nonstop adjustment for him to make. And I feel like he's coaching better this year than he was last year. If that, I know that sounds crazy because you look at what they did last year in the regular season. But I don't think anybody had them where they are in the standings right now. And I, I just think he needs to at least be applauded or recognized for the job he's doing. And I think you know it gets. Across the NHL, it gets lost because you know there's so many good coaching stories right now. Rick Tockett, all these guys out there. We've talked about Arizona, you know, there's just tons of great guys. John Tortorella, obviously in Rick Philly. Bonas. Yeah, Rick Bonus in Winnipeg. All right, I get it, but I just think that Montgomery needs some recognition because I really think he's coaching better this season than he was last year, Pierre.
1: He looked. I'm so glad you brought it up to me. He he looks way more comfortable on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks more personable with his players, not as standoffish, and I think that's a new thing um, that has to happen. Even John Tortorella, who never really used to interact with his players, watch him sometimes. You know, he, yeah. he's patting guys in the – but he never used to do that. Like, yeah. None what of us that. do that. Who is this guy? <laughs> so, what, what I saw yesterday in their afternoon game on Martin Luther King Day, uh, Trent Frederick scores the empty net goal, and it's all about an effort play. And you see Trent Frederick outrace Nemec for the puck and just chip it into the net, post it in with his stick. And the TV, the, the, whoever the director was for Messin, did a great job. He cut right to the bench, and there's Jim Montgomery bending down, whispering in, in Trent Frederick's here probably like, great job, I'm so glad I had you on the ice at the end of a game because we need you. You're a really yeah. important cog for us. I'm not sure he would have done that last year. No. You know what I mean, I just don't think he would have done that. Yeah, but he did it, and look at Trent Frederick. He's on his way to oh, having yeah. another baffle year. We talked about him. What's the one thing we talked His skating has improved so much, mm-hmm. and that allowed him to win that foot race yesterday against a real quick player, mm-hmm. a 19-year-old defenseman, in that mm-hmm. who's who's going to be a star player in the league. And you could see Trent Trent's a couple years older than him now, and yep. so his skating at two years ago wouldn't have been good enough to do that. Now it nope. is. Yep. So, well, I really liked what I- – I love what Jim's doing right now. If you were to ask me though, honestly, if if I had to vote and I used to have a vote on it, if I had to vote right now, I'd vote talk at one and I'd vote bonus two and I'd vote Tortorella three.
0: Yeah. That's pretty much what I'd have. I would, you know, it's funny you bring that up about Frederick too, because uh, somebody asked him like, and we were a bit surprised uh, when we saw the the roster come out right before the game yesterday and he's on the fourth line, centering the fourth line. Um And somebody asked him after the game, they said, coach, um, you know, just, you know, what what went into putting Trent on the fourth line? He's been playing so well. We were a little surprised. And he said, what went into it was Trent's a team player. And he knew that I need to drop him down there to accommodate some other changes I need to make. And I went to him and I said, I need you to do this for the team. And he also knew that playing him down on the fourth line right now made us stronger up the middle as a whole. And he understood that, and I love that. So he he's he immediately put out any fire, and he also he credited the player and said he was being a team guy. That's what went into it.
1: So, Jimmy, I just want to say one thing to you. And this is for the young coaches out there because I know there are a lot of guys riding buses that are starting to watch our podcast now, mm-hmm. whether they're in the Federal League or the East Coast Hockey League or the American League. I get it. League, have- eh? All those guys, all those guys, I've walked in your shoes. I respect you so much. I know exactly what you're going through. Keep it up. You're growing the game. You're making your career better. Trust me, it's going to work out for you. You Just don't lose sight of what your long-term goals are and stay true to yourself. But this is from Scotty Bowman, and it's one of the better lessons I had. One time I said, well, that guy's a good first-line center. That guy's a good second-line center. That guy's a good third-line center, and that guy's a good fourth-line center. So – He said to me, how do you know if the first line center is going to be your first line center? He might stink that night. So he might be your fourth line center. And some nights your fourth line center might be really good, and he might be your first line center. So I'm going to give you another tip, he said to me. Never number your lines. And you know what? He never, ever, and I'm telling you, I've been in a ton of meetings with him. He never, ever
0: numbered his lines. And the good coaches don't, you know, and I've learned that too, Pierre. They don't. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I've learned that a lot over, you know, over the course of my career covering the game and a lot more too lately with Jim Montgomery, just because he's had to throw the lines into a blender so much. And I just kind of look at it like, all right, this is where that guy belongs at this moment. And I guarantee you by the second period, if he does his job he's probably in a different spot and he's elevated up the line so i right. I, I get what you're saying why put labels on it right because it's going to change so much within the game it's it's hard to even yeah. guess who the one C is that, that's a great point yeah for sure
1: I let's, let's got a lot of i think we got a lot of questions yeah today.
0: i was just going to say that wow it looks that way so let's uh let's open it up and start taking questions what do we got coming up here boys Uh, Do the Stamkos rumors, this is from the Adamo Foresta show. Does the Stamkos rumors cause locker room problems? How do these guys handle the trade deadline? Before we uh, let Pierre answer, just in case you didn't know for those out there, uh, Julian Breezewa, the GM of the Tampa Bay lightning said to TSN, I think it was last night uh, under no circumstances. Is he trading Steven Stamkos? So, That kind of takes away the first part of your question, but I'll let Pierre answer the second because I think that's a good question.
1: I I don't think it affects, first of all, knowing Steven. Steven's a winner. He's mentally strong, and I don't think that plays a role at all. He's been through this before, too, uh, when he was going through the last free agency situation. I remember talking to him. I think it was in uh, uh, late October, early November back that year, uh, Mm -hmm. 2016 or 17, if I remember. And he just said to me, why would I leave here? He says, I, you know, everybody says, I'm going to Toronto. I, I'm not leaving here. And he says, go with it. Use it. And I did. You know, <laughs> it was good. It worked out. Nice. Um, and I don't, I don't think it causes problems in the dressing room at all. They're a mentally strong team. Not all of them, but most of those players have been through the rush to the Stanley Cup. They played three straight finals, most of them. Um, the ones that haven't, they've learned through being in the dressing room. So I, I don't see that being a problem. I think it's a fair question. I just don't see it being a problem.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you, I mean, I do know of some teams uh, recently, I, I can't name who they are, but it just shows the difference between what Pierre's talking about. One of the teams was kind of disgruntled and rattled by a trade rumor that I heard about, and it, you can't let that get to you. I mean, you, that's when the leaders got to come in and be like, look, guys, like it's no cliche, block out the noise because it's always going to be there. If you want to listen to it, the noise is always going to – I'll never forget. I think it was Ray Bork who told me that. And he said, if you, want, if you want to listen to noise, go ahead. It's always going to be there. But I think you should listen to what's going on in here in the room, and that's how, that's how you do it.
1: Yeah. Control the things you can control. And yep. You can control your effort and the relationship you have with your teammates and your coachability. Those are the yep. three things you can control, and if you do that, you're going to be okay.
0: For sure. All right, next question here. How does a bubble? This is from Marvin Matthews. How you doing, Marvin? How does a bubble team like Calgary balance the revenue that comes from even a minimum of two home playoff games against the big picture, i.e., building for the future?
1: I, I don't think they're going to worry about two home playoff games. Um, I think they're going to do what's right for their franchise long term. Um, realistically, they've got they've won three in a row now to get themselves kind of relevant in the playoff discussion. They're going to know where they're going to be in the next probably two to three weeks. I think you would agree, Jimmy. They're going to know where they're going to be. Um, If they're realistically in a playoff push, I don't think they really add a lot. I think they may add a little tinker, but I don't think you look at, they don't, they're not super prospect rich. They have some, but they're not super prospect rich. So I think you don't worry about short term. You got to keep your vision on the long term. If you're Calgary, I really, and I
0: think that's why he's sending a smoke single out that, He's at least open to discussing Markstrom. I think that's just your job, as a manager. Yeah, I
1: think what you said is really wise. You're trying to create an auction situation. You're trying to create marketplace, and then you'll find out I can get this realistically or I can't. And maybe you have two teams that put in a bid. and You say, "Well, you say to the two GMs, GM one is giving me this, GM two is giving me this. So if you're two and you want them, you got to pay me more than what one's giving me. You know." Yep. And so it's all part of, they call it the art of the deal. And yeah. I guess it's part of the art of the deal.
0: And I think one, to not to sidetrack here quick, but one thing to keep in mind, and we should talk about this maybe another time. Um, just, I know the caps going up out there. I get it. And, and a lot of fans and media think it's it's just going to be these crazy spending sprees by teams. There's not, like, I don't think that's going to be the case. It no. like, teams are in a lot of trouble and teams have teams have learned some hard lessons when it comes to the salary cap. And even with the cap coming up, they're going to apply them. They're not going to get out of control. And if you do, it's going to, it's still going to come back to haunt you, even though it might be higher with the cap, it's still going to come back to haunt you. I hope you agree, Pierre.
1: Yes. The wisest team have cap flexibility. One of the things that cap brought and was really important to ownership. And I think it's part of why franchise values have gone up so much. Commissioner Betman's done a tremendous job. And I, I think the players association has done a very good job for the players as well. Um, they created cost certainty. Mm-hmm. And owners really needed to have cost certainty going forward. It's made the league better. Um, it's made the competitive balance better. Um, and I, and I think it's done, a, it's done great things for a lot of different cities um, it's allowed, you know our ex- i'll give you an example vegas going to the final uh, in year one <laughs> seattle being a real now i know the draft rules for expansion were different but yeah. still the cap allowed that to happen yeah and so i think there's a lot of good things but that i think one of the biggest things with the cap was you create cost certainty and, yep. the-
0: yeah. and it's made better managers you know i think that the good managers- understand that. The ones yeah. that
1: just spend like crazy, they're
0: yeah. not good men. They're in trouble. And they and they, in that's trouble. why they might not have jobs. And they get in so, trouble. Yep. Yeah. Anyhow, all right, what's the next question here? This is from Randy Workman. If you are a—if you are Dallas, do you need to buy in order to keep up with the Jets and Avs?
1: I, I don't know if you need to buy, but here's the one thing. If you were to do it, I, I think Dallas is in good shape. The one thing is I look at maybe adding depth on defense, which I think mm-hmm. is important for any team. That. Um, but I think up front, they're good. I, I think in goal, they're good as long as they stay healthy, obviously. Um, and behind the bench, they're outstanding. So
0: yep. uh, I
1: think if they were to add one thing, I'd say upper echelon depth defenseman.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm with you on that. And they're in that spot here too. Like you just listed all the things they're good at. They they just need some extra pieces to slot in, right? I mean, I, I think back, to, we talked about it with Recchi last year and how Peter Chiarelli approached that deadline leading into their cup run. And he went out and got guys like, you know, Rich Peverly or Chris Kelly, guys like that, that filled the right. role that Kelly they were a in really a little yeah, 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 they no, weren't Kelly, superstars, Kelly. but they were very important yeah. players, and they played pivotal roles. Like he said, it was Rex, right? When he said, you don't win a cup if your bottom six guys aren't contributing. So up front, he's speaking. Oh, so. he talked
1: about the Merlot line. He
0: talked about oh, playing. That's right. Cameron. Yeah. That's what he talked about. And he's spot yep. on. You couldn't have been more right. Exactly. All right. What's the next question? If a team approached you about a position in management, would you consider or are you past that? Well, uh, uh, just for me, uh, you know, I might consider it, but I think they'd be nuts. And no, I'll just. Um, <laughs> Dude, no, to I, you
1: I, I would obviously listen. Um, I, I'm not even going to pretend, um, you know, the last job that I had. Uh, I, I really liked it, I enjoyed it very much. The people that I worked with in Ottawa were fantastic, it gave me a taste to wanting to go back in, and uh, I was really sad that I couldn't see that through. Um, with the people that I really respected there, and I, um, I sure I'd love to go back if, if given the yeah. Yeah. opportunity.
0: I can just tell you guys, as, as Pierre's friend and colleague and co host, and the man bleeds, breathes. And he, it, the sport of hockey, his passion will never wane. So, uh, you can always count on that. All right, next question What do you think about the future of the Pittsburgh Penguins? Can Crosby get one more cup? What a good question.
1: So, everything, is, it's a great question, by the I'm way. Sorry about that. the Steelers. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that's tough too. Um, so. Right now, it's hard not to think that Sidney Crosby is not one of the three nominees for the MVP this year. Would you agree? I mean, yeah. what he's done, Jimmy, has been yep, phenomenal. For sure. Ever since they drafted him in 2005, after they won the lottery, everything in Pittsburgh, Mario's told me this. Former president David Morehouse has told me this. I interviewed for the GM's job there twice, was a runner up once. Um, Everything that they do there with Sydney there and Gino there and Latang there uh, is about winning the Cup. And so can they do it? They can. Realistically, though, I don't know if they're deep enough on the back end, Jimmy. And Mm -hmm. as much as I like Tristan Jari a ton, I do as a person in particular. He hasn't proven playoff caliber Mm goaltending yet. Yep. he has to do if they're going to really take a step i i think realistically for pittsburgh it's going to be tough for them to win the cup
0: yeah they got to still make the playoffs they do that first
1: but this is why i think if they didn't have sydney crosby right now realistically they
0: yeah it would not be relevant
1: in a no playoff. they'd be
0: a lottery pick team they really they'd would they would be close yeah. so
1: it just shows you the greatness of the player it really yeah. doesn't listen jimmy we talk about all these teams trying to have permutations on trade deadline. They got an issue with Jake Gensel, and mm-hmm. Jake Gensel needs a contract, and they got cap issues. And the problem is, after what Nylander got in Toronto, that's created a big yeah. problem for, for Pittsburgh and Kyle Dubas. Yeah, because if you look at Gensel's numbers versus Nylander, go
0: look at them. I mean, yep. for yeah, for sure. I mean, Gensel's agent right now is uh, Jerry Maguire. He's singing, "Show <laughs> me the money, show me the money." Uh, by the way, that question went, uh, was from JY. I forgot to get it. To yeah. Thanks.
1: JY. That was good. Really good.
0: Yep. So, all right. Next question. All right. A demo forester again. again. Oilers are trending upwards. Eyeball emoji. I need to hear your opinions on them being legit contenders continue. Uh, I don't know if they are. And for a few of these reasons, one,
1: I worry about their depth and defense. Two, I worry about their depth and goal. Three, I worry about um, them not playing reckless hockey. I think they've played better and wiser with Chris Knoblock and Paul Coffey there, but I still worry about them being a reckless team. And I think if you run into a team with structure like Vegas has Jimmy, which you know about, or what Dallas has with Pete DeBoer, I I don't know if they can get through those. Te- I just don't know if. if Edmonton can get through those teams
0: yeah it's it's gonna be tough I mean I know the league I know so many fans would love to see Conor McDavid compete for the cup I would too um but it's it's gonna be hard it's a it's a murderer's row out west there for sure tonight's a
1: big tonight's a huge
0: thing I mean we're gonna that's a pivotal game I'll be glued on that one for sure okay let's uh let's go to the next question From the Daigler Reviews, would you trade Caden Gooley for Seager straight up? No. No. That's all I have to say. No.
1: No. No. Caden Gooley can play. He's a left shot. He can play left defense. He can play right defense. He can be on your second power play. He can be on your first penalty kill. He can play in a matchup situation against any team's top players. That's the Edmonton Oilers. He played in a matchup against McDavid. Um, and against Nugent Hopkins the other day with Mike Matheson, and he played on the right side. Yep. So the answer is no, I would not. And that's not to knock Trevor Zegers. But the Montreal doesn't need Trevor Zegers. They yep. need D. And part of what's going on now, Arbor Jack guys playing with Logan Mayhew down in Laval in the American yep. Hockey League, and they've become a real formidable tandem. Laval's becoming relevant in the American Hockey League again. Yep. And a big reason why is they've got some depth on defense there now. And that's gonna be when you play Montreal, I think you said it to me off the air, Jimmy. It's hard to play against Montreal now. Yeah. You know, Colorado found that out last night, Edmonton found that out on Saturday night. It's hard to play against them. Yeah. Wait till they start getting these bigger bodies on defense. Up from mm-hmm. the American League, they're gonna be really hard to play against. But Caden Gooley's a, a keeper,
0: you can't now. No, he's a foundation guy on that team. No, no for sure. Yeah, and, and and look, I know it's it just keeps gaining steam, this whole Trevor Zegers thing. And yeah, I do believe he'll be traded, Pierre, but th- there's so many rumors going around. But what has been a common thread throughout our answers to these questions, Pierre, about teams? Do we think they're contenders? And once the ones that we say no, what is our common thread? Not enough defense. Defense. That's what wins cups. Yeah. The Michigan isn't winning a cup. You know, flashy play and, and all offense isn't winning you the Stanley Cup. Oh. And and they're trying to build, eventually, a perennial contender in Montreal. I know that's <laughs> miles away, but they're, they're getting there.
1: So I'm just going to throw this at you because we're going way back. 2007, when Anaheim won the cup. Yep. Uh, I remember doing the games like it was wow. yesterday. Mm-hmm. They They had tons of stuff going on, okay? Tons of good stuff going on. Yep. You know, Sammy Paulson was playing as a third center. He, you, had, you had Travis Mullen, who was just body slamming people. But look yeah. at their defense. Let's look at their defense. Francois Beauchemin, uh Christopher Pronger, um, you know, Scotty Niedermeyer. Like, they, they had big skating, mobile, puck moving, yeah. you know, unbelievably. Um, uh, Sean O'Donnell was there. I just, again, right. it's a bunch of years ago, but I'm just – I remember it like it was yesterday – because of how omnipresent the defense was, yeah,
0: these so, all teams, you know, they yep. and Berkey loved it. Berkey yeah. loved you yeah. know, he's well, like, it, <laughs> and, and, you know. It was petulant hockey, But the
1: other player on that line, by the way, with Paulson and Mullen, was Niedermeyer's brother.
0: That's right. Rocky. Who was you know who was yeah. what, fifth overall pick with the Florida Panthers? <laughs> he played on the third But they, they, look at it, and that's still apparent today when you're building a contender. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. There's so many changes with the game, and things continue to change over the course of time. But for so long, it's it's the same ingredient you need to win Stanley Cups, and that's St. goaltending Louis. and D and teamwork. Yeah.
1: St. Louis won the 2019 Cup because they had big blue trees on the back end. Oh, that's why that. they won a Game 7 in Boston. Yeah. Look at Vegas. Look at Vegas last year. Mm-hmm. Gigantic, big green trees on the back end. You and, and you
0: who know, was your coach? It was a coach that got beat by St. Louis. I, I, I say 100%, exactly. 100%. So, so yep. I mean,
1: you got to have D. You, you, you got to have
0: D. Yeah. All right. Next question. Randy again, Randy Workman. If you're New Jersey, do you give up Mercier in a trade for Mark? No.
1: I can I give something else up? I wouldn't give up Dos. I I wouldn't be in a rush to give up oh, Dos. Yeah. So he's a 21 year old player. I love um, him. He's just starting to get physically strong. Now, I think he's going to be a 60- to 70-point player, but he's going to be a plus player. He's going to – when New Jersey's really, really good, think about they could go one, two th- – just think about this. You go yep. Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, Dawson Mercer, one, two, three. Come on, Mike. Yeah. Or or just flip it around and put Hughes ahead of, of Heischer and yep. put Mercer ahead of Fisher. you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I would not be in a rush because Dawson Mercer can play wing, he can play center, he can, oh, yeah. play, he can be in your power play. But I, eventually, I think in a perfect world, he's a 60 to 70 point player and he's really a good player for you. So yeah. I would be in a rush to do that.
0: No, Yeah, it, it, they're interesting. They're really interesting. I'll tell you something, speaking of Jersey, and I'm not saying he's the solution right now, Pierre, but that Dawes kid is playing out of his he mind. played
1: great in Boston yesterday. Jimmy, I know I texted you. Game, course, seven I know, it yeah.
0: Should have been seven or eight nothing after the first yeah.
1: period. Easy. Yeah, easy. Yeah. he he was great. He, so he just well.
0: keep an eye on that because I wonder. I still think they go out and get a goalie. I think Fitzgerald yeah. does that, but I wonder if that's kind of eased the. Do we need a you know a superstar goalie versus a good? So I asked your
1: question last night. I, I don't know if you watched it or not because there was so much going on in the league and with football and everything. Yeah. Montreal plays against Colorado last night.
0: So I watched. Gorg, skip
1: it. Gorg, Gorgiev's playing for Colorado and Jake Allen's playing for Montreal. It, it's not even close in that game. Jake Allen yeah. is way better than Gorgiev. Yeah. So you can get Jake Allen, and I'm sure Montreal is going to do something with Jake, not because they want to, but because they've got a log jam and. Exactly. Hopefully if they got Jacob Fowler, Boston College, who's not that far right. away from being ready to play. So they're going to do something to make their team better. And I got to think Jake's going to be the odd man out with Montembeau and yep. Primo holding the fort for a while. Why wouldn't, if you were in New Jersey, you try to get Jake out? I, exactly. I think it's going kind to of cost
0: less marksham way yep. less
1: marksham And I think he does a good job for you. Yep. I don't think Jersey's ready to win the cup this year either. And, and by the not way,
0: and not without Hughes or not. And you know what else is good? If they're if they're trying to go to the playoffs and make a run, he's a great guy in the locker room. And he's he's been there, he's done it, he's got a ring. Don't forget that. I'm he's got a you. ring St. Louis. I've known Jake since he played for the Montreal Juniors. He, I, I remember him too. He's a tremendous guy. He's, yeah. really he's, he's a great. Player. Do you remember Pierre when he when uh remember the how he was pretending to be two Rask in practices when they played the Bruins? Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. I mean, what a way to prepare your team, huh? Yeah, really good. He did that. He deserves a lot of credit for that cup run for them. I know he wasn't the starting goalie, and Bennington went on that run, but Jake Allen played an important role for that team. All right, next question. Matthew Cesar, what are your thoughts on Kyle Dubas as a GM?
1: Um, In Toronto, he did everything he could do, I think, to try to make the team relevant. He was proactive. Uh, He tried to build up their American League team. I know they won a championship uh, in Toronto with the Marlies. um, So that's part of making your team better. Uh, I think the jury's still out in Pittsburgh. It's just too soon to judge him. Um, One of the things he had to do in Pittsburgh, and I think he did it, was to make their bottom six forwards Mm -hmm. better. And I think he did that. We'll see how the Eric Carlson deal plays long-term because that – everybody's saying, well, they got to win the cup of Cards." It's a long, that's a long-term deal. I don't know long-term that's going to probably benefit San Jose because they get cap relief on Carlson's contract and they get good young assets and draft picks. So we're going to see how it plays out,
0: but I would say it's too early. How about if I say incomplete? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right. Next question. We'll take two more. The Dagler review says what player, big forward should Montreal trade for the left side D there's a log jam. So which left D do we trade or package? Great show guys. Thank you. That's,
1: that's a fair question. Um, on the left side. So I, I talked to somebody today who's a friend of a mutual friend of you and me. Okay. But I can't divulge his name. Um, I talked about a smaller defenseman on the left side who can play the right side too, who I think could be the odd man out there. Mm. And and I hate to say names. Yeah. But I I think that there could be somebody because I don't think they're trading Struble. I just, no. Aiden's played really well for yes, them. On, so strong. Uh, they're, everybody says there's a market for Mike Matheson. Why are you in a rush to trade Mike Matheson? Yeah.
0: Mike's been nice,
1: tremendous for you. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing the right thing with Mayu and I think they're doing the right thing with Arbor Jacki So mm-hmm. you know, long term, they're, I think Montreal is going to be, like I said, they're going to be in a real good position and they're building up their
0: center ice depth as For well. Sure. So I think they're in a good spot. I'm with you. All right. Final question. We'll take here today.
1: Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Pierre. I wanted you to hear my tone so that you could feel my pain <laughs> with regards to video review. Why is it my responsibility as a hypothetical notional NHL coach to make the call on the ice. I am not paid to be a referee. I am not paid to be a linesman. Who thought that this was gonna be a great idea? Oh, let's put a flag in the the coach's hand and let's penalize him if he's wrong. That is just, it doesn't make sense to me. I do not like that part of the game. Help me, please. Help me.
0: (laughs) Have a good show, boys. I love it. I love that. Thank you so much. That's that's from our regular listener and viewer Shane Oliver. And uh, oh, that was thank you good. Taking the time. That that was great. I, I loved it when he sent that to me. I said, "This is awesome." Um, so if other people moment, want to do it, go ahead.
1: You know one of the dirty little secrets about the coaching profession. I'm not kidding you. Okay. They don't know the rule book as well as they should.
0: Yeah, that is true.
1: You know. I I remember having this really long talk on a flight with Billy McCreary, who I really respect. Billy, Billy. when I was a young coach in the league, Billy was great. He was really helpful, calm you down when you needed to be calmed down or pump you up if you needed to get pumped up. I mean, he, he was such a professional. And I remember talking to Billy about this once. He said, you know, one of the things that I would think about if I were a manager in the NHL, Billy was talking to me about it, thinking I might eventually be in management. He said hiring a former referee to come in and just sit upstairs to help your coaches understand the technicalities of the rule book. And so Shane's question is not far off base, you know. Yeah. Because even though guys think they know everything, when I was coaching, there was the rule book and then there was the case study book.
0: Okay. I,
1: Jimmy, you needed almost a law degree to understand it. <laughs> way more complicated than you think so there are lots of permutations in the rules that you know we all think we know but yeah. we're not when you're actually put to it do you really know
0: it or do you think you know it what, what's your take though Pierre? i mean on where offside review is gone like is it is it gone to the right place is, is it achieving its purpose uh, it's been a slippery slope in my opinion lately
1: know that's a good description so I, I remember talking to somebody in hockey operations about this, and I said, I know you want to get it right, which is great. Jimmy, I, I think the point of reference, and I, I don't know, I could be wrong in this and people could get mad. I think if the puck touches the top of the blue line, mm-hmm. everything should be in play. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yep. I'm with but you. if the
1: puck hasn't touched the top of the blue and you cross the blue paint, but if you cross the blue paint and the puck's touching the blue – yeah. That would eliminate a lot of these yep. uh, reviews, I I think. Yep. But uh, it's just the players are so fast. They're so quick. And it's almost
0: impossible to get a right 100%. It's, it's impossible to get a right 100% of the time. I, I think my biggest, my biggest thing with it, Pierre, though, is when it doesn't have any effect whatsoever on the goal that was scored. And I know rules are rules, yeah, yeah, and right. I know it's hard to do this, uh, you know, subjectively, but it's just, it, it's it's so frustrating because you're sitting, I think even the team that's benefiting off it is kind of like, eh. you know, we, we got away with one there. We still allow them to score, you know, it's, I think that's what's getting to people. And you saw Connor McDavid, we'll have to play that quote from him last week. I'll grab it for us tomorrow. But you saw him kind of speak out, which I was really proud of Connor McDavid. He wasn't rude. He wasn't obnoxious. No. He wasn't blasting anybody. He just voiced his frustration. And I think a lot of players around the league, a lot of fans are feeling as well. And it was great to see a superstar do that, a guy who's usually, you know, pretty vanilla. So I, I thought that was good uh for the players that he spoke up.
1: Agreed. Yeah. This has been fun. Thank you, my man. Yep.
0: For sure. All right. And I want to say, too, while we're on the topic of refs, before we close it out here, I want us and, and linesmen, I want to send a congratulations to uh, my friend Dave Barton. My friend Dave Barton, his brother is Steve Barton. I'm sure you know Steve. Oxford, Ontario. Ontario. I know yep.
1: Steve.
0: And he, uh, he hit the 1,500 game mark the other day. So congratulations to Steve Barton on that. That's quite an accomplishment. What a good person. Way to go, Steve. Great family. Great family. Good job, All right. buddy. Good job. Shane, thanks you. again for that uh, video question. We loved it. And uh, thank you to our production crew Pierre. Thank you to you. And I'm Jimmy Murphy. And this has been another edition of the eye test on a sick podcast network. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: And that's a wrap. Hope you
0: don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google play, and Apple podcasts.